0: Hello, everybody. It is our annual Superhero Sunday. So, we are going to be talking a little bit about superheroes today. And I want to say thank you to everybody who submitted their favorite superhero and allowed us to make that awesome My Favorite Superhero compilation. So, thank you, everybody, who did that. It's awesome. Um, So, yeah. So, I... I think the timeliness of this Superhero Sunday is perfect because in these anxious times, I feel like it's good for us to embrace the silly and the happy in our lives. And who doesn't love a superhero? Am I right? Our culture is full of superheroes. They can be comic book heroes or super, or sports heroes or even political heroes. Almost every show on television has a theme of a villain and hero. It's literally everywhere, and I think um, in some ways we've even become really accustomed to the hero narrative that we don't always even notice it. But here's the thing: our scriptures are full of hero and villain stories too, and because of that, and because of you know our our culture and media and all that, I think we were created to enjoy and even need a good hero story. It's a part of who we are as humans. Because of the fall of man and because of our weaknesses, we need to know that we can be saved. And of course, the ultimate hero-villain story is Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross for our sins and overcoming Satan and death itself. The last few weeks, there have been countless stories, even... Um, about people on the front lines of the coronavirus, and they are being called heroes. It's everywhere. Um, It is very present in our lives at this time. I personally love a good hero-villain story. We, as a family, have been watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy over the last couple of weeks. We actually finished last night, and it is one of my favorite hero-villain stories. Um, I also love watching superhero movies, got to admit, I'm unashamedly a fan. Whether it's DC or Marvel, I don't really care. They are all awesome in my book. Some people are DC fans, some people are Marvel fans, and I'm everyone's fan. Um, But today I want to focus on a hero in the Bible who reminds me of a comic book superhero, and her name is... Esther. Esther reminds me of Wonder Woman, or Diana Prince, and let me tell you why. While I watched the most recent Wonder Woman film that came out in 2017, I could not help but see some major parallels between the Esther story and Wonder Woman's story. Wonder Woman uses her platform of power and position to speak up for her people. She spoke up for the voiceless, and so did our gal, Esther. So I want to start off today with a quick trailer, and it's called the Wonder Woman origin story trailer, so enjoy. The gods
1: gave us many gifts. One day, you'll know them all. This is where we keep them. It's beautiful. Who would wield it? Only the fiercest among us even could. And that is not you, Diana. You will train her harder than any Amazon before her. Five times harder. Ten times harder.
0: Never let your guard down. You expect the battle to be fair. Until she is better than even you.
1: But she must never know the truth about what she is. Who are you? It is our sacred duty to defend the world. Right. Whoever you are, you are in more danger than you think. Be careful, Diana. If no one else will defend the world, then I must. Welcome to jolly old London. It's serious. Yeah, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Sit back. Or maybe not. Anything else you want to show me? What
0: are you? I am Diana of
1: Demetrius, daughter of Hippolyta. In the name of all that is good, your wrath upon this world is over. Yep, that's not going to work. Please put the sword down. It
0: doesn't go with the outfit. At all. All right. I hope you enjoyed that trailer. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So before I I go any further, I want to give a special shout-out to Sid Howell, who went above and beyond and did a little extra this morning and is Spider-Man. Yeah. Very exciting. All right. So back to Esther and Wonder Woman. Uh, You know, another reason Wonder Woman I think reminds me so much of Esther could be because in this most recent Wonder Woman rendering, the actress who plays Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, is Jewish and also a beauty queen just like Esther was. Uh, gal actually said in an interview, I definitely have a strong sense of my Jewish and Israeli identity. I did my two-year military service. I was brought up in a very Jewish-Israeli family environment. So, of course, my heritage is very important to me. I want people to have a good impression of Israel. I don't feel like I'm an ambassador for my country, but I do talk about Israel a lot. I enjoy telling people about where I come from in my religion. That sounds awful esther to me. So even the actress has life parallels to Esther. So Esther is a dramatic story. It's a short book in the Bible. You can read it in about 15-20 minutes. A great story. And it gives us insight into God's special and purposeful plan for our lives. So I'm going to give several examples today of powerful life lessons from Esther's story and the parallels that I see in the Wonder Woman story. But first, let's refresh our memories on the story of Esther. I'm going to summarize it very quickly. Esther is a Jewish woman living in Persia. She is raised by her cousin Mordecai. She was taken to the king of the Persian Empire to become a part of his harem. But because there was something special about Esther, he made her queen. Mordecai, however, didn't tell the king about a major detail, Esther's Jewish heritage. I imagine Esther as a drop-dead gorgeous woman with a fierce personality, much like Wonder Woman. She charmed King Cersei so much that after he got rid of his last wife, the prior queen. He could have chosen any woman he wanted, but he chose Esther. Of course, there is a villain in the story, too. Haman is a vengeful and egotistical advisor to the king. He hated Mordecai for refusing to bow down to him, so he plotted to destroy the Jewish people. Haman told the king, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all, dif- all the providences of your kingdom, whose customs are different from those of all the other people, and who do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. The king gave him authority to handle the fate of the Jewish people. In return, Haman announced a government-issued edict of genocide. What could Queen Esther do for her people? The king had not requested her presence in a month, did his affection for her wane. Was she powerless? Of all the Jews, only Esther had access to the king. Mordecai persuaded Esther to speak to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, reminding her of her unique place in history and that silence is not an option. One of the most poetic biblical passages Mordecai speaks of God's purposeful timing is Esther 4.14. It says, Who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. In other words, Mordecai lets Esther know that even her outer beauty was for a reason and would not go to waste. Esther knew, of course, that going to the king unsolicited could be her death sentence. Anyone who came into the king's presence without being summoned could be executed. So what does she do? Before making a life or death decision, she calls for the Jewish people to join her on a three-day fast. Following the fast, she put on her best robes, approached the king, and told him Haman's plot against her people. The Jewish people were saved, Haman was hanged on the same gallows that had been prepared for Mordecai, and Esther received Haman's estate. This dramatic unfolding of events moves much like a novel or a movie and played like a great chess game with several life lessons. So life lesson number one, God has a plan for our lives. Mordecai basically nailed it when he said, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal palace for such a time as this. God loved the Jewish people, and he didn't create Esther's beauty and finesse just for her and her alone. Esther was placed in a royal position to assist in the delivery of God's divine plan. The Wonder Woman parallel is similar. She was raised, sheltered, and trained her whole life to be a warrior and for a purpose to save the world and destroy evil. There was a greater plan for her life to not just be Diana, but to become Wonder Woman. Lesson number two, we are given divine moments to alter our circumstances. As believers, there are no such thing as accidents or coincidences. God's timing is providential. Esther's divine moment of providence came by accepting her responsibility to go to the king. However, Mordecai was clear when he said to Esther that she could be the one who could save the people or not god will use you only if you're ready or he will find someone else there is a moment and you saw it in the trailer for wonder Woman, where she realizes that she has this incredible strength and power in her training and she's thinking about the purpose for it and right then providence comes when a plane crashes through their protective barrier around her home and she dives in and saves Steve Taylor, And meeting him and hearing about what and who he is fighting, Diana has to make a choice to leave her beautiful, safe home and go into unknown places to join in the fight against evil. Providence comes to her when she leaves behind everything that she has ever known to fight for people she's never met. Lesson number three, we must stand with courage. Esther 4.16 says, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther was willing to die to save her people. Sometimes we must stand in courage even when it's not popular to do so and risk it all. There are multiple scenes in Wonder Woman, um, where she is full of determination and courage. The final battle scene, epically called No Man's Land, is an epic fight where she is unwavering in her determination and courage, and she will do whatever it takes to beat the evil sources. Joshua uh, says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Lesson number four. Fasting and prayer brings clarity and hope for deliverance. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther even once. Interesting. But Esther was clear that in this particular situation, a heavenly response was needed for an earthly situation. Esther needed direction. And when we need God's grace and we need direction, fasting and prayer opens the portals for spiritual growth. It removes the distractions in our lives and places us on a path to humility. And so I think it's awesome that she did that. She called the Jewish people to fast and pray with her. And uh, obviously, there is not a Wonder Woman parallel for this uh, lesson. But Esther shows incredible wisdom and faith in this part of her brave story. Lesson number five, we must overcome obstacles. Esther's obedience saved God's people from genocide. The reality is that Esther didn't know what would happen when she approached the king. She didn't. She acted in obedience, and by doing so, she saved a nation and received the best. For Esther, the obstacles to fulfill her calling were the royal protocols and the punishments put in place if you break those protocols. The last queen was exiled for breaking the rules. I can only imagine how frightening it would have been for Esther. But Esther draws from her identity to break through the protocols that block her from saving her people from genocide. She finds a way to stand within sight of the king in order for him to call her into his presence, allowing her the opportunity she would need to persuade the king to spare her people from Haman's evil plan to kill them. In the end, Esther's plan works, and not only is Haman's plan spoiled, but Haman and all of his sons are hanged. The Jews were vindicated, and Mordecai was welcomed into the king's court to stop the oppression of the Jewish people in exile. For Diana, her obstacles are just as huge. The culture of the time, and the movie is set during World War II, did not allow women much of a voice or entry into the decision-making in the community. And though the soldier, Steve Taylor, who knows of her powers and helps her gain access to many places she would otherwise never be admitted, uh, he was certain that there were actual rules to the business of war. And he did not even conceive of what could happen if he were to push beyond those traditional protocols of war and risk thinking about new strategies. So she, Diana, follows the soldiers and the conventions of time for a while. She tries to kind of play along. She dresses in a long skirt and a jacket and boots. It's kind of hard to kick and punch when you're doing that. Even though they restricted her movements, she hung back behind Steve Taylor. There's even that scene where they're getting shot out and she sticks her thing in front of him and saves his life. But she follows him, lets him take the lead on how and when to move forward and either gain permission or push through the barriers of the front line. When Diana realizes that these protocols and conventions were stopping the soldiers... From moving forward in their quest to end the war, Diana bravely throws off her cloak and draws her sword to lead the way through breaking the barriers that stopped them. Again, in that amazing scene of no man's land, the soldier tells Diana there's no way through the stalemate at the front of breaking the barriers. that was the, It was not the job that they had come there to accomplish, but Diana comes into it saying, it's not why you have come, but it is why I have come. Diana's belief in identity overcome the obstacles she faces and allow her to live most fully into who she was created to be. So lesson number six, God uses everything and everybody for his divine purpose. No part of our lives is untouched. God is in control of every aspect, whether we want Him to be or not, and there is nothing that is subject to Him. And the best thing we can do for our lives is to search for and to surrender to His will. Both Esther and Wonder Woman are obedient to the calls on their lives. They really are both forced, because of circumstances, to live into their identity and their call. And God uses circumstances or other people's voices to help us determine our call and our purpose. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God uses everything and everybody for his divine purpose. Lesson number seven. God trains us for what is ahead. Before Diana Prince becomes Wonder Woman, she is trained by the best warriors. Much like Esther, who was trained and prepared to be a wife of the king. Sometimes we are training for something that we don't even know is coming or what we're training for. Often we go through experiences in our lives, whether they're trials or hard times or even good experiences or education experiences, and we don't know at that time that the growth we experience in those times can help others or help in situations later in life. Esther went through beauty trainings, not knowing if she was going to be picked Not knowing her destiny was to marry the king, gain favor, and save her people from death. Another thing that they have in common is that Diana is in a community of only females. Interesting. And Esther, of course, is in a harem of only females. So, you know, it's lady power times two. Pretty cool. All right, lesson number eight. We must know how to use the tools and resources given to us. Esther knew how to use the tools and resources she had to accomplish her purpose. So does Wonder Woman. Esther's tools and resources were her beauty, her wit, her place of honor, her courage, and her bravery to overcome evil forces. Wonder Woman Definitely knew how to use the tools given to her to overcome evil. Her tools were strength and courage and bravery, her bracelets, her shield, her rope, as well as others. Wonder Woman uses her armor, much like we are told to use our spiritual armor. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through uh, 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, and then it goes on to stand firm with the belt of truth, and Our feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And also take up our shield of faith, which we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And put on our helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. So my main takeaway for us this week on this Superhero Sunday is this. Our scriptures are full of heroes, and there is much we can learn from their stories. Jesus is our ultimate hero, saving us from the hands of the devil. We have a purpose. God has a plan for our lives. We are given divine moments to alter circumstances. We must stand in courage Fasting and prayer brings clarity and hope to us. And we must overcome obstacles and be obedient to God. God uses everything for his divine purpose. And we are being prepared and trained for whatever God has for us. God has given us the tools and resources we need to accomplish whatever he has called us to do. So lastly, Esther was an awesome hero. And Wonder Woman is an awesome hero. And there are a lot of parallels that I see in their stories. So this week my encouragement for all of us is to pick a biblical hero story that maybe you've never read or you haven't read in a long time and look for the lessons that can be learned from those stories. Because you'd be surprising that things wrote thousands and thousands of years ago still make a whole lot of sense in our lives today so next we're going to take communion and then we'll pray eric and reagan harris are going to be uh, leading us in communion this week
1: hey good morning everyone welcome to eric and reagan's house we're so grateful and honored to have been asked to facilitate communion today with all of you Um, I'd like to invite you to take this time just to grab whatever elements you have. Um, Reagan and I are going to use some grape juice and some sourdough bread. You can use a cracker and water or orange juice and a cookie or whatever you have. So just like to invite you to get those things uh, while we talk for a minute. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross so that we would not have to sacrifice animals or go before a high priest and have a high priest then go before God for us. Uh, was a huge act and a huge paramount point in our faith. And so taking communion together, we just remember the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we would have an advocate or a go-between, uh, which is Jesus, uh, between us and the Father. So now we can go directly to the Father through Jesus. And so uh, that is a, something that we celebrate and something that we remember during this time. And Reagan would like to read a scripture out of 1 Corinthians for us. 1 Corinthians 11.23 Let me go over with you exactly what goes on on the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I receive my instructions from the Master himself and pass them on to you. The Master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the Master returns. So let's take our elements together. Some people like to take the bread and drink the cup. Uh, What we're going to do today is we're just going to take the bread and we're going to dip it in the cup and uh, just symbolizing Jesus's body that was given for us and his blood, which was spilled for us, the forgiveness of sin and our salvation. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for electing to willingly come and die so that we could have life and have it more abundantly so that we could walk in relationship with you. Father, we're so grateful for that act and we take time today to remember that together as a group. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take care. So again, I'd just like to uh, say thanks for having us. And uh,
0: be blessed this week. Well, thank you, Eric and Reagan, for leading us in communion this week. Um, That was really special. So the last thing I want to do today is just um, send us off in a prayer. Lord, we thank you for being our ultimate hero. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for our purpose, and our destiny that you have given us. We thank you for the tools and resources you have given us to help us along the way. Give us courage, Lord, like Esther, to step out and to do things you have called us to. Be with each of us this week, Lord, as we continue to navigate the difficult parts of sheltering in place. We prayed for continued health for each of us and our loved ones, and we continue to pray for this virus to go away. We love you, Lord. Amen. So, blessings this week, and here is Johnny Overholt to send us out.
1: Thank you for joining us.